Welcome to With One Accord, a brief time presented by the Houston Chamber Choir each Monday and Friday to join us together and to be renewed and refreshed through the power of choral music. I'm April Harris, Manager of Operations, and I'm thrilled to host today's Education Spotlight. Today's episode shines a spotlight on Dr. Paul Hines, Associate Conductor for the Gay Men's Chorus of Washington and the Founding Director of the organization's Youth Chorus, Gen Out. Paul has a comprehensive background in music education, previously teaching music theory, piano, and introduction to voice at Georgetown University. He previously served as a director of the concert choir and music director for the university's opera and musical theater productions. Since founding the Gen Out Youth Chorus in 2015, Paul and his students have been a community beacon for the DC area. Gen Out, which is one of nine vocal ensembles for LGBTQ and allied youth in the country, has welcomed over 100 students from more than four dozen schools. The ensemble has continued to serve youth throughout the pandemic, offering weekly private lessons and rehearsals, virtual performances, engagement in social justice activism, and community building opportunities. As a native Washingtonian myself, I was especially thrilled to feature Paul and the Gen Out Youth Chorus for the season finale episode, inspiring examples of choral music excellence and innovation. After the interview concludes, stay tuned for an uplifting choral music selection performed by the Gen Out Youth Chorus. Enjoy! I'm joined today by a wonderful guest from my hometown. <laughs> Associate Conductor of the Gay Men's Chorus of Washington, D.C., and the Director of the organization's Gen Out Youth Chorus, Dr. Paul Hines. Paul, thank you so much for joining me here today. How are things in D.C.? Things are great. The vaccination rate is getting higher and higher, and things are starting to open up, and we're looking forward to, fingers crossed, returning to in-person singing in the fall. So uh, the light at the end of the tunnel is getting closer and brighter. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> and I also hear that in DC, the cicadas have made a seven year return. How about it's, that? <laughs> yeah, I think it's 17 years, it's even longer. Uh, so yes, they have made a return. I have not seen any just yet, but I think folks in the suburbs have seen them quite a lot. And a lot of my friends on Facebook are posting pictures of their cicada sightings. So that's <laughs> kind of fun. <laughs> so Paul, let's talk a bit about your background. How long has music, choral music, been a part of your life? Well, choral music has been a part of my life for the last 20 or so years, but I've been a musician most of my life. I started piano lessons at age seven and flute lessons at age nine. All of my degrees are in music and it's my doctorate that is in choral conducting. I've been conducting choirs for about two decades. My background includes uh, about a decade at Georgetown University, also a decade at uh, the Lesbian and Gay Chorus of Washington, DC. And I've been at the Gay Men's Chorus of Washington and with Jen Out since August of 2014. Yeah, you said, are you a choral singer as well, in addition to conducting? I have sung in choruses as well. Uh, probably my experience that I'm most fond of is my time during my doctoral work where I sang in the chamber singers at the University of Maryland. 
We sang some beautiful repertoire, including Poulenc's figure Umen, and even took that piece to Seoul, South Korea to perform for the uh, World Congress of Choirs. Um, I would not consider myself a solo singer by any stretch of the imagination, but I love to join my voice with others. Wonderful. And when did you decide that you wanted to pursue music professionally um, as a conductor and an educator? It was a happy happenstance in that I had accompanied choirs for years and years, and there were several occasions where the conductor left suddenly, and I had to fill in an interim basis as conductor. And it just so happened that that experience was a positive one for me and for the singers. I seemed to have a knack for it in terms of organizing the rehearsal uh, that was really meaningful to choristers. And people uh, trusted me and were able to be vulnerable with me. And that just made me think, well, this is a career that uh, is perhaps my niche. So that's what I, I went into, but was not my intent. I think when I was an undergrad, my thought was that I would end up being a band director, but uh, band is, is, a, is a far distant part of my memory. <laughs> so uh, in addition to being the assistant conductor for Gay Men's Chorus of Washington or GMCW for short, you are also the founder and director of the organization's Gen Out Youth Chorus, one of nine vocal ensembles for the LGBTQ plus and allied youth in the country. That's right. What were your initial goals um, when creating the chorus? We recognized a need for youth choruses that served LGBTQ and allied youth when we did outreach performances at schools. The Gay Men's Chorus of Washington had for about a dozen years sent teams of singers into local schools for basically pep talks. Uh, this was at a time when GSAs were just getting started. So it was a chance for uh, queer youth to meet uh, queer adults and realize that life will get better uh, to commiserate with the kinds of challenges that they were facing as young people and to talk about what the future holds and what the possibilities were. And it was after one of these meetings that a teacher asked us, will you ever create a, a choir for young people? And our artistic director, Dr. Thea Kano said on the drive home, why not? And so she talked with the executive director. They laid the groundwork for it in terms of figuring out a budget. I was brought on that fall as the associate conductor and my mandate was to get Jen out up and running. So I spent the fall researching youth choirs and especially queer youth choirs. And uh, by January, we were ready to go with our inaugural class of nine singers. Wow, wow, wow. That's, you said in fall to January, that's less than half a year that it took for you to create this wonderful project. Well, I did work pretty hard and pretty fast. And I <laughs> was fortunate that there were a number of youth choruses in the gala choruses movement that had already been established. And so I could contact them for advice on policies and for uh, the kinds of paperwork that you need to safely integrate youth into uh, an adult organization. 
And of course I had already understood what social justice repertoire looked like because I had been conducting the Lesbian and Gay Course of Washington for uh, nine plus years. So um, that part was probably the easiest part. Um, and we already had a relationship with a lot of schools. So I was able to reach out to them and let them know about this new opportunity. And that's how we found our initial class of singers. Um, but yes, it was, it was a, a lot of hard work, a lot of fast work that fall to get the chorus up and running. And how has the choir grown since its founding? You said you started out with how many students? With nine singers. That was our inaugural class. And we have 32 now. So we are, um, and we've, we've maintained that number of 32, or at least above 30, for about a year and a half. And that's despite the pandemic, that's despite people coming and going, there seems to be a consistent need for this chorus and a desire for the programming and not only for the music that we're making, but for the social justice work that we're doing. Absolutely. Now, Gen Out Chorus recently released a virtual concert, a Youth Invasion, in collaboration with two other youth choirs. New York City's Youth Pride Chorus and Nashville's Major Minors Ensemble. Now, what was it like coordinating the concert with three ensembles, three different cities? I'm guessing Zoom, lots of digital interaction. Tell me a bit about that. Well, some of it was easy. Uh, for some of the components, each choir was able to do its own thing. For example, individual choir selections were chosen, rehearsed, and recorded as part of each choir's regular rehearsal schedule, and we just stitched them together. Um, one of the components that was more complicated, but certainly very meaningful, was the storyline that connected all of the pieces. And that was developed by the three directors after the repertoire was selected. So we were fortunate in that our mindset about the music that we wanted our young people to sing was similar. So the connections were already baked in. And then we created this storyline that involved students and adult leaders providing introductions to the songs. Um, the three directors also worked together to determine boring things like video specifications and attire and deadlines. Um, and we collaborated to rehearse the joint work up to the mountain. Um, and for that piece, we figured out how we would interpret the piece, how we would create rehearsal tracks and how we would plan for joint rehearsals and lead them via Zoom. We also reviewed all of the recording submissions to select the four soloists featured at the beginning. Um, and of course, students were a major part of the production. They learned a lot of music, they recorded it, they participated in discussions that created the fodder for narrator scripts, and they served as narrators themselves throughout the concert. Mm -hmm. now, I watched the concert, it was amazing, informative, energetic, I could tell that a lot of love went into the creation of the concert. Definitely. Um, what do you think um, the collaborators, you, your students, the students and directors of the other choirs and instrumentalists, uh, what do you think they've most enjoyed about creating the different segments for the concert? 
I think the aspect that was most meaningful about the entire collaboration was the collaboration itself. Um, working, working with others in your chorus and working with other choruses was not only a fun project, but it was also a chance to be connected to someone else at a time when we were all trapped in the four walls of our own homes. Um, you know, there is a lot of very, very delayed gratification in creating a virtual choir recording. You work for months and months, you hear nothing but your own part all by itself, all the while wondering if your part will mix in well with the others to create something beautiful. It really takes a lot of vulnerability and trust. And I'm very proud that these are two qualities we developed to a heightened degree in Gen Out this year. Mm -hmm. yeah. A major motivator and thematic focus um, for the concert was um, the concept of a beloved community. Can you explain a little bit about that concept? Sure. The idea of the beloved community was popularized by Martin Luther King and signifies a community in which everyone cares for everyone else. Uh, it's a community where fear and hate, hunger, homelessness, poverty, all those things are absent. This spring, one of our collaborators, Nashville Major Miners, focused its social justice work on Dr. King and on those concepts of beloved community and his desire to build that beloved community. And that takes the form of examining ourselves, understanding how our actions have hurt and continue to hurt others, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Dr. King wanted us to be aware about how our biases and assumptions uh, can affect others and to have the skills to be able to set those biases and assumptions aside. He wanted us to be humble, to recognize our imperfectness, uh, to learn from the mistakes that we've made. And he wanted us to be truthful with each other, giving and receiving humbly the honest feedback that could benefit ourselves as individuals and the greater good as a community. And what's interesting is all of those goals are the goals that performing ensembles have. And it's especially true for our choirs that are rooted in social justice. Um, additionally, the idea of a beloved community created among three groups of young people from dramatically different parts of the country was really a beautiful image that summed up what we were trying to do with the collaborative concert wholeheartedly agreed as an audience member. <laughs> Thank <No>. you. <laughs> the Youth Invasion concert was extremely accessible programming. It was free, free virtual offering, um, and it also included an ASL interpreter for the hearing impaired. Um, and I'll also take this time to mention that DC is the home of Gallaudet University, the world's premier higher learning institution for individuals that are deaf and hard of hearing. In your opinion, Paul, what is the importance and impact of equitable accessibility in artistic creation and showcase? I think first I'll talk about the component that you mentioned first, which was that this concert was presented for free. 
we in Gen Out and GMCW were very fortunate to be in a financial position that was and is healthy. So we could offer this program at no cost. This is in thanks in large part to the financial stewardship of our executive director and our board, but it's also a result of the community that GMCW has built over four decades of music making. We're celebrating our 40th year this year. For the last year, the whole world was hurting. Very few of us were benefiting financially from this pandemic. Every dollar in your wallet was precious and the uncertainty of the short term and the long term made every dollar even more precious. Despite all of that, our supporters recognize the value of the chorus as intrinsic to who we are as a community. And they kept us going. They wanted to make sure that there was a GMCW and that there was a gen out on the other side of the pandemic. And they stepped up to ensure that we not only survived, but thrived. So offering the Youth Invasion concert for free was a small way of giving back to the community. And I think it was a big step in nurturing them at a time when the community really needed it. Uh, for many, many years, GMCW has provided ASL interpretation for its main stage shows. As you mentioned, there is a large uh, deaf community in the DC area, and there is also a large deaf queer community in the DC area. And we believe it is important for these folks to feel welcome and included as guests at our shows. I suppose the practical impact of ASL interpretation is facilitating the enjoyment of a performance by people who could not otherwise access it. But on a larger scale, the ASL interpretation is a visible piece of our ongoing efforts to reach out to and embrace all people. Another visible piece is the performers we feature. Ensemble and solo repertoire in recent years has uplifted the voices of people of color, of trans, non-binary and gender non-conforming people and people who are racial and ethnic minorities in this country. And without meaning to sound trite, I think we work hard to make sure that the second word in social justice doesn't mean just us. <laughs> Very well put. Um, Paul, another critical topic addressed by your students during the Youth Invasion concert was uplifting without appropriating. Now, how did your students navigate this when preparing the performances of different traditions and cultures? That was something that was really important to us. And I'm glad for this opportunity to, to share about the process that we took to make sure that this was a part of our concert. Um, if I may, let me start by reminding your audience that Gen Out's mission is to give LGBTQ plus and allied youth a voice and to connect that voice to the community. We believe in the power of voices raised in song to educate, to celebrate, and to remember and to change hearts and minds. Um, knowing how important it is for the world to hear our voices, we acknowledge the important responsibility to uplift the voices of marginalized composers and cultures as part of our repertoire. I selected Indiko Kelebawo to provide our singers with an opportunity to sing in a foreign language and to learn about a different culture. And plus, it's just really a cool piece. Um, 
As part of our learning this piece, we included several presentations by a former Peace Corps officer whose experience included working with the hosts of people and learning their language. We took the time to understand what the text meant and we were really careful to pra practice the pronunciation so that we could interpret it as accurately as possible. And that was no small feat because the Hosa, the Isi Hosa language includes a lot of words and sounds that are not part of English. So it was a real challenge for us. We were up for it and I think the kids did really well. South African, the language you were referring to that was in the context. Yeah. Yes, this, so the, the name of the language is Isi Hosa, and uh, that describes the language of the Hosa people. And it includes things like clicks, which are not part of the English language, obviously. So we had to learn how to say uh, words that included the clicks. That was, was challenging. And as we were working on our racial justice curriculum throughout the spring and summer and fall of last year, it occurred to us that we weren't sure of the provenance of this song, of, of Indigo Kelebawo. There was nothing in the published score to uh, indicate that the Hosa people had given this piece freely for transcription, and nor could we find out from the publisher if the Hosa people were benefiting financially from the publication. Uh, and this made us worry that we were part of the problem of cultural appropriation. Uh, in other words, we were stealing a component of the heritage or culture of someone else. So we were in a quandary about whether to drop this piece or to find a way to mitigate the cultural appropriation that we were a part of. So we decided as a chorus that there was value in uplifting the voices of the Hosa people and celebrating their music, and especially since the music was already purchased, but that we would also find a way to compensate them for this artifact of their culture. So uh, we reviewed our invoices and found out that we had spent approximately $80 to buy this music for Gen Out. So we intended to give at least that amount to a charity whose work would benefit the host of people. In the end, we were able to cobble together $250 to give to the organization called Cultural Survival whose work advances the rights and cultures of indigenous people around the world. Uh, it amplifies their voice and raises awareness of self-determination. So um, I recognize we're still a part of the cultural appropriation, the systemic racism that steals from marginalized groups. But I think we did what we could do to make a positive difference, to move the needle in a different direction and there was a long-term benefit to me as a director selecting music and to our youth who were seeing people take responsibility for actions. And they were also seeing me uh, take a wider view of that responsibility. And hopefully that sunk in with them. I know your students are so proud of you as you should be proud of them. That's amazing. Now, are there any plans to release the Youth Invasion concert again um, this summer or beyond? Or are there any other projects that we can look forward to? I'm not sure when we will show the Youth Invasion concert again. We were able to show it for two weeks this spring. 
but in, uh, in the next few months, you'll be able to see Jen out again at the DC High School Choir Festival, which is sponsored by the Cathedral Choral Society. And also with Gala Chorus's Youth Chorus Showcase, which is scheduled to be streamed on July 11th. Paul, thank you again for a wonderful conversation. I had a great time chatting with you, learning more about you, about Gen Out Youth Chorus. And I really hope I'm able to catch a performance next time I'm in DC. Thank you so much, April. And thank you to all your listeners and best wishes. Special thanks to our donors and partners for their consistent support, to our phenomenal guest, Dr. Paul Hines, and to you, our listeners, for tuning in. And now, please enjoy John David's You Are the New Day, arranged by Peter Knight, adapted by Jacob Narvery, and performed by the Gen Out Youth Chorus. Choirs with One Accord is your one-stop shop for choral joy. If you enjoyed this podcast, help us to continue our mission to grow the esteem and appreciation of choral music by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to our content. As a 501c3 nonprofit, support from listeners like you allows us to continue making new and exciting programming. For more information about us and how you can support our work, please visit HoustonChamberChoir.org/give.